Hello, creeps. Welcome to the Horror Vanguard. I'll be your ghost. I mean host for today's exciting tale of terror. Planet Terror or Catharsis Goes Splat. <laughs> John, I'm doing great. <laughs> Just honestly, I 100% think you should leave leave all of this in. Just leave it. It's gonna be. Oh my god. Yeah. Get ready. Get ready for an extra bonus five minutes of us talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> it's a it's a teaser for our sister show, the Horny Turtle Film Analysis Pod. Um, <laughs> I I am I am very glad to hear that you're doing well. I know that I know that you have had. Can I can I be sincere just for a second? Can I just oh be please do real sincere hours. I know you've had a pretty rough week with one thing and another. I've had a pretty rough week. And we talk a lot on this show about why we love horror movies, what makes horror movies so great. And sometimes you don't you don't you don't necessarily want a film that is gonna give you some deep and complex political metaphor about the present situation. Sometimes what you want is Rose McGowan with a minigun leg. Uh yeah. blowing apart blowing apart the heads of zombies and if you have had a bad week i can heartily recommend today's film to you we're talking about planet terror there is there is never a bad time with a stripper with a former stripper with an m4 carbine assault rifle and an m203 grenade launcher <laughs> i love this film so much it's so good it's so good it's part of the the double feature, the uh, Robert Rodriguez, Quentin Tarantino, Grindhouse uh, mini revival that they tried to bring about in two thousand seven. Um, what do you think? Where should we start? What's your where, where do you want to kind of dive right into this? This movie's perfect. So I saw this in theaters actually uh, when it was out, and I, I like I loved. It. I loved this so much. I love the double feature. I love how it had the intermission with the fake trailers for other movies. Yep. Uh, Don't was my favorite of the fake trailers. I am a big fan of the trailer for Machete. <laughs> yes. Just because I adore Danny Trejo, my the 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 tiny man who will one day murder me. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very specific fantasy, and I am in full support of it. <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have to talk about the full machete movie at some point. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, um, without flaw. And I, I, I love, I love the kind of grindhouse aesthetic. I love the uh, all of the kind of film stock damage that they did, both the digital mm-hmm. and physical film stock, which they uh, gave that kind of grainy seventies drive-in movie theater texture to. I love the color grading. I love how they light this. Uh, and let's just like say Robert Rodriguez directs the fuck out of an action scene. This 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 movie just bangs. It is so much fun. Right, his this is some serious directorial talent here. Let's kind of like dig in. Let's let's do what we do. We are we are the the leftist horror film analysis podcast. <laughs> uh, but let's let's talk about Grindhouse. Let's talk about Grindhouse. Oh, I think let's that's, do it. That's, and exploitation, because you 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 have always been more of a kind of like, uh, you know more about this area of horror film than I do. Do you want to kind of like 
con- contextualize this for us? How how are we going to approach this kind of retro uh, grindhouse revival that they're trying to do in this film? So so what Tarantino for people who haven't seen this and maybe who don't know the grindhouse tradition and exploitation what tarantino and rodriguez were trying to do with this film was pay uh, homage to classic grindhouse cinema mm-hmm. these were movies that were made for virtually no budget and they're all uh there's strong overlaps with exploitation cinema and then they, they typically play as like double features of two shorter films with trailers interspersed in the middle for future upcoming releases so you get the format for when you saw uh, grindhouse and death proof in theaters and then uh when you're watching this movie and you see a lot of things where it's like like the music's really weird and the acting's really weird the budget and the effects are really weird like these are this is a triple a hollywood movie that looks like the film was like thrown down a flight of stairs or something but that's yeah, all to look- reflect the exploitation and grindhouse style yeah so what do you think what do you think about this idea of trying to bring back uh, an aesthetic and kind of style of filmmaking that by the by the mid 2000s really wasn't in vogue right because action was very kind of slick very polished like everything depended on realism but tarantino and rodriguez are trying to bring back something that you know was from the 70s and the 80s and is deliberately low rent what do you think about that um i, I think this is probably one of the best aesthetic mainstream movies that have come out in my lifetime you know like uh, i yeah i pine for a day where grindhouse theaters return i would love a world where every every town every city had it's just little like sleazy grindhouse cinema because it is an, this is it's an education it is an education watching a good <laughs> watching a good grindhouse movie um it's a religious experience yeah <laughs> this of course is a classic uh, zombie survival narrative. We have our ragtag band of survivors. Uh, we have a zombie outbreak. In this this uh, situation, it is um, bioweapons uh, that, uh, that are involved. That's We have the, the, the militarized biomedical zombie. Uh, and we have people who are just trying to survive, trying to survive in this small Texas town. Um, that is suddenly overrun uh, by uh, the zombie outbreak. Uh, what do you think of the zombies? What do you think of these this this flavor? This flavor? This flavor of zombies? We we tend to cutify our monsters into like neat little brackets, so zombies can be gross, but they're always gross in the sense that like they're missing a limb or they're rotting, and that these zombies really challenge those aesthetics by being giant sacks of pus that are always leaking and exploding. These are gooey zombies. <laughs> These the are gooey gooeyest. zombies. <laughs> they, ha- they have a chewy center, these zombies. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, deliberately. Like, it's very... It's very gross. Um, I would be very interested to uh, think about this in the terms of splatter. Because this is a splattery zombie movie. Like, uh, you hit these zombies with cars and they sort of explode like big bags of pudding... You shoot them and like <laughs> and like a blood fountains out of them, like they've got a big uh, blood bag inside them. It's great. <laughs> I mean, I think this really works, especially in the, so we're in our in our Patreon exclusive book club. 
We're currently reading uh, Splatter Capital by Mark Stephen. Yeah, so we're currently reading Splatter Capital, amazing book. And one of the things that we talked about in our last book club episode was that, um, you know, like Stephen points out this really great idea that part of the beauty of Splatter is kind of this twofold thing where it, it literalizes the gore and the violence that we live through every day. Like capitalism is necessarily mm-hmm. structured upon a mountain of violence, but it's made invisible. Like the garbage cans at Disney, they chain them, they change themselves out through a subterranean system of tunnels, right? So you never see the workers. And capitalism is that made just absolutely magnified. Splatter has a way of making that violence inescapable and omnipresent. But mm. it also the dual part of this, the other side of this, is that a lot of times when we're watching Splatter, the the people who are in control of the violence are people who never get to be in control of society's violence. Right, so mm. all of all of our, our heroes in this movie, they're they're residents of this poor downtrodden Texas town. Our primary protagonist is a sex worker, right? They're, these are these are people who are locked out of uh, the ability to ever become in charge of the violence of society, right? They they don't have access to the unilateral lever that controls that. In splatter films, they do. Yes, absolutely, and I think it's. I think that's a really important point, which makes this film really cathartic. Because there's something there's something interesting about this film, which I think I wanted to bring up off that, which is that we are living through a, a kind of mass traumatic event at the moment. Um, and we've said doing these like mini episodes is a chance to kind of try and process that. Uh, and I think this is one of the first films that we've done about this uh, on on the kind of theme of infection and virality, which is also really funny. This film is properly funny and also super dark. Um, but but I think it's really important to mention that humor and often really dark humor can be a great way of processing and working through incredibly traumatic events. Case in point in this film. With the kid that shoots himself in the face. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yep. Uh, we both just laughed at that, didn't we? Um, yes, we did. Yes, we did. But what do you? But what do you think about the role of um, about the role of humor in this film? Um, I, I think it, I think it's really important, right? Because a lot of a lot of processing trauma comes through humor. You know, a lot of a lot of our, our ability to encounter the traumatic is mediated through humor because humor is this fantastic way to relieve tension. You know, just laughing makes you feel better. And sometimes when things are terrible, you just have to make yourself laugh. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sure I will not be surprised to know that a lot of our listeners enjoy dark humor. <laughs> I, w- I would be shocked to find out otherwise. Um, yeah. And like, I think like th- this film, like, you know, when we have um, Tony Block is the name of the child and we get the scene where like his mom is like, OK, I'm going to give you a gun. And it's just like in your violent <laughs> video games, you know, shoot anybody that comes here. And then like little, little Tony, this little like maybe six year old boy is like, oh, mommy, but what if it's daddy? And then and then like uh, the mother who has been like cheating, cheating on the father, the father's like an insane, like uh, experimental mad scientist doctor guy. Mm hmm. So he's not not a very sympathetic character to cheat on, right? It's good that he's being cheated on, <laughs> but um, but then she looks him dead in the eye. She's like, "Oh, especially your dad." <laughs> and then, like seconds later, he fumbles with the gun and blows his own head off. <laughs> and I'm like sorry. it's sorry. it's it's, pu- it's played, but it's played on this razor thin edge of like traumatic and horrifying and absolutely hilarious. 
right? And, yeah. and that's it perfectly encapsulated, encapsulates the kind of like dissonance between these two, but also the fact that they're always together. You know, like yeah, uncomfortable, absolutely. Like, like like this is the the pure essence of the uncomfortable laugh. You know that tension builds and it has to go somewhere, and you're going to scream, you're going to gasp, you're going to throw up, or you're going to giggle. You know, and um, as as like a, as like I suppose a caveat M tour. Uh, Tony is played by Rebel Rodriguez, the director's son, because mm-hmm. uh, the director when he was filming, he was like, okay, like the scene is really really extreme, and if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be my family. <laughs> and there's an entire. There's an entire alternate cut where Tony lives through to the end of the movie and gets to escape and, and joins everybody in like the the, the paradise afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that cut probably is never going to get released. Uh, unlike the Snyder cut, it literally exists and uh, it's like a family <laughs> thing they have. Or at least I think he said that in an interview. That's that's sort of adorable. Um, there is there are so many like really funny beats to this film, like uh jt who runs this little barbecue shack um and is obsessed with making prize-winning barbecue sauce (laughs) (laughs) and that that's just his recurring bit through the film is is to talk about how he wants to have the best barbecue in south texas um and what ultimately helps him crack the recipe is when some of his blood falls into the sauce uh Oh, he's also brothers with the sheriff as well. Uh, and, and there's this, there's this. So spoilers, uh, both of them don't don't survive to the end of the movie. But there's this incredibly sweet moment where he finally tells his brothers his barbecue sauce recipe, and it's like you better take that shit to your grave. But uh, and as soon as he's told him, his brother dies, <laughs> which is simultaneously both like kind of moving and also really funny. <laughs> I'm not a monster. I do have I do have feelings, um, but but I I love I love the fact that this is a film that kind of deals with um, military bioweapons and the incompetence mm-hmm. of the U.S. military, and at the same time is like a high octane splatter fest, which is really funny and has the gooeyest zombies I've seen in a very very long time. I really, I really do love that too. I love that like this is like the the viral outbreak comes at a moment of the incompetence of the United States Armed Forces, <laughs> which is his, historically that has no precedent. I mean, it's really visionary on Rodriguez's part to come up with such an outlandish plot. There was heavy sarcasm, uh, by the way, in that. Just in case anyone <laughs> didn't, I did not literally mean what I just said. <laughs> um, yes, the, this. That's that's the whole reason that, that all of this gets um, gets released onto the town is because of the massive incompetence of the U.S. military. Um, weirdly, led by soldiers who killed Osama bin Laden, uh, which is mentioned in the film. Uh, and I was sort of like, when was this film made? 2007. I mean, it was released in 2007, but... Uh, which is Which is just... Yeah, wild to me that they that they did that. Well, that struck me as kind of like a classic grindhouse thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, like like those those weird one liners and like like these kind of like awkward insertions of real world events that don't really fit the context of the film. It's like, yeah, that's that, that's that's like a like a B horror movie thing to do, especially because it's like it's Bruce Willis. Yes, who plays the leader of the soldiers who are mm-hmm. all slowly mutating. That's another classic grindhouse thing, right? Is you have this A-list actor 
who who never appears with any of the other actors in the movie because all of their front shots were done in a single afternoon and just burned <laughs> through one after the other and then they had a body double do all the other shots yeah bruce willis was on set for like a day and then had enough money to put another pool in his third house got a pool in his pool now it's wonderful um and you know what good for him good for him. <laughs> Good, good for him. If you choose, I think at a certain point, some actors just stop giving the tiniest shit. Uh, and Bruce Willis reached that point probably about twenty-five years ago. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that ship has sailed. And let's be honest. Let's be honest. There is. You say you say that this is no kind of precedence. In fact, uh, this idea of the, U- <laughs> of the of the you say this got no precedence, right? Of the U.S. military being incompetent, definitely, um, definitely the, not Bay of Pigs. Cough, cough, definitely not. <laughs> but the only thing that's changed is now that it, it would be a privatized military corporation that oh, accidentally yeah. released the bioweapon or <laughs> tweeted about how they were going to go to Venezuela and do a coup and then get captured by a bunch of fishermen. I, I um, oh, totally like if, if this, but if this would have been like a, like a, like a Silver Corps privatized military <laughs> unit, they would have like gone to buy the bioweapon, but like tied their shoelaces together on the way or something, <laughs> and then like fallen into a massive hole and died. Um, <laughs> or like, or like like a fisherman would have painted like like a tunnel on a brick wall, and they all would have ran straight into it. <laughs> uh, it just shout out to those Venezuelan fishermen who. Rounded up a bunch of pasty, slightly out of shape, middle-aged private mercenaries who thought that they were in the Expendables. And it turned <laughs> out that they were the they were uh, in a Wiley e. Coyote kind of cartoon. But isn't it great that we would go? Oh well, this is just a Grindhouse movie. This is a B movie. Oh, right. But like with but with like maybe six degrees of separation, kind of movement in the storyline and plot. This is what's literally happened in the U.S. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> one more thing we should probably talk about. Um, one more person that we should probably bring up that we have not yet mentioned. Uh, we need to talk about Cherry. We need to talk yes. about Rose McGowan. What, do you, what? What is your take? What's your What's your take on this? Uh, my, my two big takes from my, my, uh, reading of her character is one arm sex workers and two sex workers work. The big message of this film is support your local sex workers by getting them weaponry, um, <laughs> with which they can mount a permanent people's war on the zombie infestation and the U S military. That is kind of the takeaway, isn't it? And I mean, the, the end of the movie is, is that they do achieve some kind of like utopic paradise. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, I mean, is, is that not the goal? Is that not what we're trying to do here? <laughs> um, uh, but I do, I do think know, No, go on. I was just going to say, like, like, I do, I do, like, I mean, like, I, obviously it should, it should go without saying that I'm being sincere here, but like, I think there's this, like, there's this, so there's this really interesting exchange that that's like a reoccurring theme in the movie. But um, when Cherry Darling is talking with Dr. Dakota Block, Cherry Darling is really down on herself because all her life she's wanted to be a comedian. And, and now, and now she is a, a go-go dancer, right? Mm-hmm. So she she hasn't achieved her personal goals, right? And and Doctor Dakota Black is like, you know, like he he starts talking about like, oh, like eventually you'll find a use for all of your useless talents, you know, because Cherry's talking about all the skills she's picked up as a go-go dancer as being useless, 
but like what we find later on in the movie is like this this plays out right all all of cherry's go-go dancing skills wind up being exactly what she needs to defeat the zombies you know mm-hmm. her, her go-go dancing flips and, and back arches and pole dancing moves like that's how she uh, uh, successfully uses her gun leg <laughs> to defeat the zombies also so the, how she sure literally dodges out of the way uh, when someone tries to fire a rocket launcher at her oh yeah <laughs> and um how do you survive how how are we supposed to survive in the zombie apocalypse one collaboratively and two through the aid mutual aid and uh, revolutionary self-defense of a movement organized from below yeah oh absolutely yeah i do i do think that's a really important thing that the 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 people who wind up being the heroes and leading the charge and saving the day are kind of like like cherry darling cherry darling is a sex worker you know Mm -hmm. this is this isn't like a, a bourgeoisie middle class kind of movement for social change this no. isn't civil discourse with zombies hour. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, they are also someone who wants to be, to, to kind of connect this back to comedy. This is, uh, Cherry also constantly says she wants to be a stand-up comedian. Um, and there, it, and loses a leg, loses their leg in the, in the course of, Oh um, yeah, that's true. Zombie survival. So, and again, there's another really like cathartic dark joke where she, quite rightly uh says to says to el ray i was going to be a stand-up comedian and look at me now and el ray replies all the best jokes are about people with or, or all the best jokes are about cripples and it's like it's a really dark joke it's a really dark joke but there's something about the use of humor as a coping mechanism that i think is really important um and as you say all of those skills all of that all of that uh that's that 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 the things that you pick up when you're forced into a situation that you can maybe take as a personal failure all of it becomes useful and and has revolutionary potential right and i, and I think i think at the end you know one of the things that we see is her her seeing her career as a go-go dancer as a personal failure like like sure it relates to the fact that she's not getting to to live out her dream career as a comedian but like like a lot of her mental space of seeing that work as failure has less to do with how useful that work is because in the end of the film it's literally what saves humanity yep. and more more to do with society largely not valuing that kind of labor yes absolutely uh as we as we as we said in our episode on cam the issue is not necessarily with sex work per se the issue is with work and how work is devalued demeaned and exploited yeah oh yeah and all work all work is exploitative all work is is demeaning all work devalues you and breaks your body and and eats you up physically you know there are there are unique things that we can talk about sex work just like there's unique things we can talk about any different kind of labor we all face uh challenges unique to our work sites Mm -hmm. you know like but at the end of the day like we're all we are all toiling under capital (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, and those as I said, and as you said, those skills that she's thought that are useless. That sort of running gag throughout the films, where she goes, a "Useless skill number thirty-seven, useless skill number sixty-three. Mm-hmm. All of them become useful. All of yep. them are important." Um, and it's it's also just badass, <laughs> right? I, I think there's a space for that too. Like we're we're a really heady podcast, you know. We have. 
we talk about ideas and theory and rhizomes and all and like all this like complicated stuff sometimes uh but last episode was literally about rhizomes <laughs> it was it was rhizomes not episode but, <laughs> but, but like, um and like we we should do we should do a dng primer one day because i always see that yeah. meme where it's like explain deluse to me god damn it and it's like oh well actually rhizomes are just really easy to understand so one day one day we're gonna do that we're gonna talk more about mushrooms but like you know like like there there is a space for just like cathartic film enjoyment and i think that that's one of the best things about grindhouse and splatter and kind of stuff and, and films like that is like they're, they're they're just calling to you on this visceral cathartic level they're yeah. actively begging to become objects of cathexis yes absolutely. And, and you you like when you watch these movies like if you coil up and you tense up you're gonna you're gonna feel dirty and wrong by the end of it but if you just kind of like let it out and yeah, whether just, whether that's being squeamish or laughing or, or averting your eyes or whatever but if you just embrace the physicality of the experience you're gonna have a good time you are gonna have a great time you are gonna have a great time do you have any closing takeaways for planet terror yeah support your local um revolutionary sex worker cadre um <laughs> The U.S. military is a bungling, incompetent uh, machine of death that will try and get us all killed. And this Checks is a really, <laughs> really, and this is a really fucking fun movie. It's so good, so phenomenally good. That's my that's my big takeaway. That's my big takeaway. I I think that I think that about sums up the entire mini episode. And this this is another one. This, oh, there's so many, but like this is another one where I'm sure we could go on for another like five days about planet terror. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe, maybe we will revisit the grindhouse tradition. Right. If there's any, if there's, you know, dear listeners, if there's any of these mini episodes that you are just aching to see turned into a full episode, drop us a line, and we yeah, will absolutely. heavily consider it. <laughs> Indeed, we will. Indeed, we will. Put that in the suggestions box. Uh, but thank you, thank you for tuning in uh, to this week's mini episode. We strive to release one mini episode a week while we're all indefinitely stuck in this eternal nightmare. And hopefully uh, talking about Planet Terror with you has made this uh, slightly more bearable. Thanks for tuning in, creeps. And remember, stay spooky. Ha 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 